do what they told ya. Now you 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 do what they told ya. Welcome to another crazy episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. This week's episode, I will be discussing tiny humanoid creatures, strange hobbit-like humanoids, dwarfs, elves, and other, well, cryptozoological slash mythological creatures of that nature that either exist on a parallel realm, existed at one time, and are long gone as of now, or are currently here with us right now, but we no longer have the third eye in order to see them. Enjoy the show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. And now, book reviews! I especially love the book reviews written about my award-winning book, Haunted Holidays. This is what people are saying about this book. Neil Parks has done it again, haunting at its best. Haunted Holidays is filled with nonstop paranormal action, from Halloween all the way to New Year. Haunted Holidays reveals horrifying, true paranormal encounters. Mind-blowing. You won't be able to put this book down. Spectacular stocking stuffer for holidays or any time of the year. Haunted Holidays has my two thumbs up, along with a five-star rating. And that's from Karen Vance Hammond, author of Shoe Marks. Uh, next one is from a sixth-grade reading teacher from Ohio. That's what she put in the review. I just needed to say that I have just finished reading Neil's third book, Haunted Holidays. It is so good, and I'm so incredibly proud of him. It is truly scary and also a great testimony of, to faith. If you are looking for a great read, digitally download it now or buy it in paperback. Now, this next review says this book was terrific. It was super well-written, interesting, and spooky. I absolutely loved how the book tied an individual holiday 
and showed how ghosts can be found in each of them. I am a teacher, and I think each of these stories will make great read-alouds as we get close to each holiday season, because they are short and can be read within a few minutes. Additionally, I love how this book showed that ghosts can actually be angels, too. Really entertaining. And that was from initials D.H., who is also a school teacher. Uh, this is from Megan Floyd with Elite Entertainment. Very enjoyable read of local haunts. Interesting tales of things that most have heard stories of over the years. Looking forward to reading more from Neil Parks. And the last review for this book. For Neil Parks, the holiday season begins a little earlier than for most folks, although he's hoping to in some way change that feeling. The local paranormal investigator's third book, Haunted Holidays, features a series of 12 short stories about paranormal phenomenon experienced in the periods between Halloween and New Year's Eve. And that is from hellnotes.com. Look them up. Mythic humanoids are mythological creatures that are part human or that resemble humans through appearance or character. The multitude of mythic humanoids can be divided into four categories. The first one, human-skinned humanoids. These humanoids can pass unnoticed in human society if their attributes are small enough to go unnoticed. Their ears may be slightly misshaped, their eyes may not line up, or their height may not measure up, but their difference in appearance can be attributed to genetic mistakes or mutation. Sometimes they live separated from society, live in alternative realities, or appear at night or under specific circumstances. This category includes witches, elves, fairies, nymphs, house spirits, semi-beings, and imps. Monster skin humanoids is another category. Portions of these humanoids are clearly not of human make. They may have drastic differences in skin color and eye type, and may have scales, fur, claws, and tails. The average person may find them quite unpleasant and untrustworthy because they are not entirely human. An example is the Kyubi no Kistun found in Japanese folklore, or something as close to the heartland of Ohio, a small devil-looking creature with a tail that resembles a red child. The third category, monstrous humanoids. These humanoids are likely to instill fear and revulsion. They may walk, talk, and think like a human, but they are obviously not human. Some examples of these monsters are demons and vampires. Temporary humanoids. The temporary form style. These are creatures that may temporarily disguise or transform into a human shape, but have entirely different true forms. A home security camera captured tiny humanoid creatures frolicking on a driveway in Dallas, Texas this week. Startling footage was recently captured by a security camera outside a Dallas, Texas home. While some might think that the video simply depicts extraterrestrial visitors or even birds, there's a possibility that they are elves that have broken through the extra-dimensional barrier to frolic in our driveways. Now, Ironically, next to this subdivision where this house is located, uh, there is a sacred site nearby, um, an Indian earthwork from uh, 
original original ancient inhabitants. And they and their folklore storytelling have passed down for generations tales and stories of strange humanoid creatures that would visit at night um, as a means of warning or for good luck. Now, this story was sent to me from R. No Sleep. It's titled Small Humanoids. Am I the only one seeing these creatures running around? They are small little humans with pale gray skin, and they run around on all fours. Their faces look like humans, but there's something different. But I can't put my finger on how to describe it. I really don't effing know. But the best way I can describe them without babbling like an idiot are the Falmer from the Elder Scrolls, except only a foot or so in difference. They've infested my house, and they watch me constantly. They're probably seeing me type this up right now. Anyways, I've heard them speak. It's a small and hushed little voice, but I've heard them say a word, and then they say it a lot to each other. Eat. I have no clue what the F they eat, but the food in my cabinet hasn't been eaten. Cheez-Its, crackers, small stuff that rats and mice would orgasm over. I might try and tape them when I sleep to see if they're more active at night. Anyways, I've started noticing them about a day ago. I first saw them scampering outside around the convenience store at about 1.30ish. I'll fill you in when I know more. Interesting story. Thank you for sharing that. Are no sleep. And now a word from our sponsor. The Thing in the Swamp. One of the most intriguing, not to mention chilling, encounters with a Pukwudgie is that of Bill Russo, a retired iron worker or welder who lives in Rainham, Massachusetts. His home was built on a knoll just a few hundred yards away from the Hockamock Swamp. For six years, Bill worked a shift from three in the afternoon until midnight. When he finally got home, it became his habit to take his 80-pound female Rottweiler German Shepherd mix, Samantha, for a late-night walk to get a little exercise and just relax. They walked every single night, not to mention what time of the year it was, and then everything changed one night. On one night in 1995, Bill and Sam went out on their nightly walk at about one in the morning. Usually, the two friends walked on the sidewalks towards the center of town and avoided the swamps. That particular night, however, the two changed their routine up a little and cut through his backyard and headed into the deep woods next to the swamps toward an old dam that had once provided much-needed water for an early ironworks. Sammy pulled along with Bill into an area that he calls the High Trees. And when they had gone about a half a mile, they came to a break where a road cut through the swamp. At this point, Samantha began acting up, pulling hard on her leash and looking up at Bill. She trembled and her hair stood on end and looked at her master for protection. Bill asked her, what's wrong, Samantha? I don't see anything. It's okay, baby. We'll go home now. Come on. He tugged on her leash, but she wouldn't move an inch. She was afraid of something, and according to Bill, Sam was not a dog that frightened easily. She just cried and quivered. It was clear that something in the darkness had terrified this poor dog. It wasn't long before Bill began to hear the thing that was frightening his beloved dog. It was faint at first, but it was unmistakable. An eerie voice was calling through the night air, saying, Iwachu, Iwachu. 
The high-pitched, unnatural voice repeated itself, getting louder and louder and closer at the same time. At first, Bill couldn't see anything, even though there was a street light about 20 feet ahead of him. The lamp cast a bluish circle of light on the pavement in front of him, and then, in Bill's own words, into the circle walked a hairy creature about three or four feet tall, which probably weighed a hundred pounds based on how it looked. What happened next has been haunting Bill for almost 20 years. He watch you. He watch you. Chew, chew. He watch you, the creature said repeatedly. It stood straight on two legs and stared at Bill. With eyes that were too large for its own head, like the eyes of an owl, the two friends were paralyzed at as they watched the creature, but the creature just stood there and didn't appear to be threatening. Samantha trembled, and then she looked at Bill as if to ask, What is it? Bill looked at the dog and said, It's okay, Sam, in a somewhat unconvincing manner. The creature kept speaking and began to motion to him with its arms, asking him to come closer. The creature wasn't wearing any clothing to speak of and was covered in coarse, unkempt hair and was about five or six inches long. The thing that appeared to have a pot belly as well, and Bill took it to be a young stages of old age. What in the world was he dealing with? Bill had no idea. What was this thing? Possibilities began running through Bill's mind. Perhaps it was just a local kid dressed up for Halloween. Then he realized that this thing couldn't possibly be a toddler, nor was it any animal that he had seen before. Bill had seen beavers, muskrats, foxes, and bears in the Hockmock Swamp, but this creature didn't even remotely look like any of those animals. Bill and Samantha stood there looking at the creature for what seemed like hours, but in reality the encounter itself probably lasted only a few minutes. Although it appeared to be friendly and nothing over-threatening could be detected in its mannerisms, Bill had heard stories from other people about bizarre things that they had seen in the swamps. Stories that couldn't neither confirm or deny. Bill was scared. The tiny creature was much smaller than he was, and yet he was still very frightened. Worse yet, it was the middle of the night and the thing was talking to him. But eventually, Bill worked up enough courage and asked the creature a few questions. But the only answer that he received was Iwachu, over and over again. It was at this point that Bill and Samantha made a very big circle around the creature and went home as fast as they could. The two friends didn't look back, not even once. When Bill arrived home after the encounter, he was very shaken up about it. He made a big pot of coffee and kept drinking it throughout the night, one cup after another. That night, he relived the entire experience over and over again in the confines of his living room. He wondered if he should have tried to talk to the creature more, or if he should have at least walked up to it. What was it? What did it say? He asked himself. As near as he could figure, it was trying to speak English and was saying, We want you. We want you. Come here. Come here. Bill took this to mean that there was more than one of these creatures. Needless to say, Bill didn't get much in the way of sleep that night. To this day, almost 20 years later, Bill doesn't really know why the tiny creature wanted him. He has come to believe that he narrowly avoided his own death that night 
but he also regrets not having taken action. If I had been Darwin or Dr. Livingston, he recounts, I would have walked to the thing and would have made a great discovery and would have written a new chapter in human history. But it was just, I was just a weak, frightened man who slinked away and lost a chance to catalog an entirely new species. I am ashamed to admit that I walked away. Did Bill encounter a Pukwudgie that night? He believes that he did, and the description of the creature's appearance and behavior all point out that he may have indeed encountered one of these tiny trolls. If one buys into the legends, then Bill was very wise to walk away from the creature. If he hadn't, then it's very possible that the creatures would have made a meal out of Bill and his faithful dog, Samantha, who passed away, unfortunately, in 1998. The man also believes as more and more of the Hockmock Swamp is filled, such encounters will become more and more commonplace. Who is to say that Bill isn't right? And now a word from our sponsor. Hello, kids and adults in the listening audience. I'm Neil Parks, award-winning author and paranormal expert. I'd like to wish all of you a very happy Halloween. You are listening to Big Bad Daddy Wolf's Halloween special on 96.6 The Wolf. If you'd like to learn more about me, then you need to get to Google and search at The Neil Parks or my bookstore website, which is www.lulu.com slash spotlight slash Neil Parks. Thanks. And now a word from our sponsor. Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Here's the $10 million question. Did U.S. Special Forces kill a giant in Kandahar? Several conspiracy theory-oriented websites are claiming a biblical giant, much like Goliath, with flaming red hair, was killed by U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. United States Special Forces allegedly killed this giant in Kandahar in 2002, and the government has been trying to cover it up, according to these sources. Several personalities and websites dedicated to discussing supernatural myths and conspiracy theories began claiming in 2016 that an American Special Forces soldier serving in Kandahar, Afghanistan, was killed in 2002 by a 1,100-pound blade-wielding 12-foot-tall giant equal or equivalent to the Old Testament times before the giant itself was taken down by the military. A Department of Defense spokesperson told them they had no record of such an incident and i quote we do not have any record or information about a special forces member killed by a giant in kandahar current interest in the story appears to have been generated from a video created by la maruzili an author blogger and filmmaker determined to link modern times with biblical creatures and prophecies on the 13th of august 2016 he posted an episode on youtube of his series watchers in which he claims to interview a military contractor or soldier who witnessed the blade wielding giant on kandahar kill another soldier before being downed by troops 
whisked away by a transport aircraft and hidden away from public view. Marzulli makes the case that the giant was a Nephilim, which were described in the book of Genesis as offspring of gods and human women who inhabited Canaan in the time of the Israelite conquest. But when it comes down to details, he's vague, saying he interviewed the unnamed man at an undisclosed location on an unknown date. The interviewee, who he claims shot and killed the giant, doesn't give any details on the location of the alleged incident, other than to say it was a remote location in Afghanistan in 2002. He claims that he and others were sent to look for a missing patrol when they saw a scarlet-haired giant emerge from a cave and skewer one of their friends, who he called Dan, with a large blade. In the Army statement, it's sufficient, isn't sufficient. The only service member with the first name Dan, or Daniel, who died in Kandahar in 2002 was killed along with three others in an accident involving the clearing and disposal of explosives. There are no incidents on the Department of Defense press release page in which all military casualties are listed, involving a giant. Likewise, there are no reports of an entire patrol disappearing in Afghanistan at that time either. Marzulli's video about the alleged giant incident, replete and growling animation, can be seen on the website provided. That's unfortunately all the freaking time I have today. Join me next week. For when I do the show, probably from my man cave, and I might move into the kitchen, maybe I'll do the show on the back deck, since we are still under quarantine. And I'd say we still will be under quarantine next week. Um, if not, half of us dead. So if you're still alive, be sure to tune in. I want to thank all 27 of you for listening today. And be sure to pass it along. Uh, what helps this show grow is word of mouth and more people listening. I have a pretty impressive audience right now. I thank you all for hanging out with me this long. I've been doing this for over a year now, and it has been a strange, wonderful, and bumpy ride. Thank you all for listening, and have a great rest of the week.